The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. Beyond. Whoa! That was the best one we've ever done. That was so good. Well, let's quit. What is what episode is this? This is episode 360, 461. 1280. We're done. Perfect. Nailed it. That was the best intro. Thank you for listening for all these years. What? That's a Tony Hawk move. That's the resolution of the thumbnail. Anyway, thank you for listening. It's been a great ride. We've had a good time with Beyond, but after that intro, we're never going to do better. So that's the end of the show. That's it. Thanks for watching. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 461. I'm Max Scoville, joined by Brian Altano. Brap, brap. And Andrew Goldfarb. Brap, brap. That's your catchphrase. The good old... It's me. What they say. The Italian meatball. Good old gold. I know yours is, I love Japanese cats. Yeah. <laughs> I do love Japanese good cats. Good old Andrew Goldfrap. Uh, yeah, so uh, first things first, I want to talk a little bit. We mentioned this last week. Uh, we have a 20th anniversary IGN party that's coming up that mm-hmm. is happening on Saturday, October 15th. I realize it's kind of close. Uh, we're having a big old event. You can go to go.ign.com slash IGN house party or go to the IGN Twitter, which is just at IGN and look at the number one pin tweet there. Uh, we're all going to be there hanging out, having a good time. Uh, the day before that Friday is going to be a first Friday, which I think is, is that going to be a freebie? That's everyone can come to that for the hell of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh- we're trying to, I think, tie it to the event, but I think there's also yeah. a separate sign. You're guaranteed in if you have a ticket to the yeah. event. You yeah. get a tour of IGN. You can see Max and I's desk covered in toys. We get to do a Q and A and a meet and greet. Yeah, you can hugs. steal literally anything you want. That's off not of don't Marty's tell desk. Them that. Oh, uh, Marty's, Marty's desk. Yeah, Marty's desk because well, it's free. like his social security guard and airplane. Mm-hmm. Booze bottles. Yeah, yeah no, a, lot, learn a lot of people have been tweeting at us saying that this came in a little hot. It's true. Uh, I know flights are expensive, so I'll suggest the thing: uh, get a car. From anywhere. Get a it, huge one. Just get like a, big a really car. big one. Put as many people as you can in it and just start driving until you're in San Francisco. Yeah, a little fun fact. The bigger the car is, the faster it goes yep. on account of the size of the wheels. So, on that note, uh, again, that's go.ign.com slash IGN house party. And I hope we get to see you there. Uh, and if not, I'm sure we'll have lots of uh, blurry pictures from the things we do in the night. Um, yeah. That's uh, a threat. Yeah. The things we do in the night. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Watch Dogs 2 is a game that we played. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I heard you guys liked it. Holy we actually crap. Put a significant amount of time into that game. Uh, there was a preview event here in San Francisco the other day, which is That's really, where the game is set. Which is really cool. I don't get, I don't think I get to do that a lot. And the game companies always try to do that, where they're like, our game takes place in the, you know, in Paris. So come to Paris. And we're like, we're not going to go to Paris. It's so far. But Ubisoft was like, we're around the corner from you. So come over and play this game that takes place in San Francisco. And Max and I spent what, probably three hours, two and a half, three hours. Yeah, we, we kind of like, we would have kept going too. They yeah. Like, you could stay late. I should have stayed. I, I think lo- I had a meeting with my manager. Otherwise, I would have been there all yeah. afternoon. I mean, honestly, like, uh, you know, it's early to say it's not we didn't play the finished game. We didn't play any missions. We just screwed around. But I really love that game so far, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, I, what I want that game to be is basically uh, just a, a goofy home alone ass uh, hackathon in San Francisco. Like, yeah. I want to just mess around and just screw with people. And we played a little bit of it, and that's exactly what you can do. Yeah, we kind of like specifically were told. Uh, okay, so there's other people from IGN capturing missions and going through story sequences. We want you guys to just wreak havoc. So it was pretty awesome. We got to basically get sent into this fake San Francisco as kind of a just a trolling internet yeah. demolition crew. Also, I love that they were like, do some do some like controlled hacks and do some like havoc hacks and do, get, yeah. get like get weird in there. And you just like kept getting in there and just running over people with cars. And you're like, so we like, what are you doing? We did a lot of really fun stuff. Where um, and one of the things I really noticed about the game that I love, and I, you, you get it from the best sandbox games, mm-hmm. is the sort of chain reaction of things that happen. Like I love when you're playing a GTA game and you set up a truck that has a flatbed ramp on it, yeah. you leave it on the highway, and all of a sudden you, you sit <laughs> yeah, back. like cars like yeah, rocketing off. Just go nuts. Yeah. And so right off the <laughs> bat, like this game is so much more obviously fun. It exuberates a lot more charm than the first game. Uh, we kept doing a thing where you can access anybody's phone in the game and you can use that to steal money from them. You can basically look up who they are. Max kept basically (laughs) snitching to local gangs that random people on the street were informants for the police. I can't say this without laughing because it's so funny to me. Yeah, you you basically, you SWAT people in real time. Yes. Uh, You've got two options. One, you can basically frame people for being gang enemies and then (laughs) mobsters show up and just start shooting at them. Or you can basically be like, yeah, this guy's a pederast. <laughs> and it's like, we kept calling the police on people playing acoustic guitars in parks. <laughs> and there's like people on benches, and he's just like, lesbian seagull. And I'm like, ah, no guitars here. And we, then we I would like, just like hack him, and all these cops would show up. You just pull out your phone, and you're like, excuse me, police? This dude's doing a terrible cover of Wonderwall in the yeah. middle of Golden Gate Park. And then a gang comes in, the cops come in, so you basically snitch to the gang that the gang, the guy's an informant. <laughs> and the cops are like, and then the, a gang's here. Yeah, and they all <laughs> Shooting this each guy is in a park. It's just the, like dun, 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 dun. Yeah. he's like, what is happening? The best part though is that like you don't you don't get in trouble for that. Like no. you don't you don't you have to really. No one to, knows it's you. You're you have in to be the like, corner with a remote yeah. control. With basically, a drone. you can just be like sitting by a tree with, with your little laptop out. You're just like, hey man, I'm just trying to work on my app, and you're just like this stupid tech bro. And there's just like a firefight going on. And then what I love is so. I've always said that like uh, like Titanfall feels like Call of Duty inside Call of Duty. Yeah, like the Titans are kind of like a bigger version of you as like a almost like Watch Dogs does sort of a similar thing where you've got 
basically smaller versions of yourself. Like yep. you've got your little your little wheelie wheelie drone, and then you've got like a, a flying drone. So yeah, those are your two main room, and then I think you're going to get a third, which is that kind of R two D two drone. I that think we you have saw. to just steal those from people. Those <laughs> droids, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they've um, shown the them like going down in Barcadero or like yeah. cleaning. We got or we got two. One of them is this little remote control car that has like big fat wheels and it turns weird, and the other one's a drone that actually floats up it's, in the sky. It's pretty much the same idea uh, with with hacking elements as the owl from from Far Cry. Yeah, except you can you can hover it, and it's yep. great because when you're when you're playing as these things, you're invincible. Like you can't. Yep. It, you, they're, they're gonna if they're gonna shoot it. And if they, gonna if they get the shot down, it's a video game, so you have more of them. So we're yeah. doing cool stuff like you enter this sort of like warehouse with your drone through like a little hatch in the wall or the ceiling or a window, and then you start remote opening all these doors, and all these people are like, "What is going on yeah. in here?" And then you go in and just shoot them all if you want, or call snitch to the cops and have the cops come in on the gangs. So my favorite thing was just sort of like you're a player, you have robot toys. There's humans who are totally harmless, and then there's gang members and cops, and you can just kind of sit back you literally sit on the floor with your laptop or your remote control and you watch all of these different things interact with each other and you're like i didn't do it yeah <laughs> it's, it's so great I like we, we messed up this whole like there's a whole outpost kind of thing like on just it was weird because it's also like right down the street from us yeah and the whole time the dev is like showing us how to play the game and we're just like screwing around and like mm-hmm. like you can you can hack into like a <laughs> like an air conditioning unit or whatever <laughs> some large electrical box and you can hack into it and make it so that it is not only uh, going to attract attention, but it will also electrocute things. Yep. So you basically like hack into an air conditioner or whatever the hell it is, and some guy will be like, "Hey, what's wrong with that old box over there? I'm going to go investigate it." And they go over and they just get shocked, and you're like, "Man, that must uh, that thing probably was broken." Dude, I never would have. Like I never would have guessed that in 2016 a Watch Dogs game would make me unironically cry laughing yeah like i was in tears we were like oh, like God. the way i'm t- even telling the story right now i can't get through it without getting tears in my eyes because it was the amount the amount of havoc you can cause and one of the things i loved was like we went to city hall in san francisco which is the building i got married in and half a block from there is a the like a, a theater where i saw a louis ck show like a month ago and i'm like these are places like i have connections to and now 70 gang members are fighting 80 cops. What I love, All yeah. a woman's like, I didn't do it. Yeah. And I'm stealing her money with my phone. Yeah. It's so great. It's uh, so, also, so You can hack into the cars yeah. and use them as giant RC cars. Yep. So like, I loved it because like, we're like, hey, that lady's, uh, <laughs> that lady's an insider trader. You should arrest her. And then the cops show up and they were like, and that man is a, a snitch. And then the, the gang show up and they all start shooting each other. And I'm like, oh yeah, and by the way, your cars are possessed by ghosts. <laughs> and so I have like the cars driving over their cops and stuff. Um, we activated a cop car, so like the cops were hiding behind the yeah, car. Yeah, you just like moved their cover. cover, and we moved the cop car out of the way. And it it's, hits a gang member, yeah. but then the other gang members are like, "We can kill those cops now." And they start shooting the cops. So stupid. You can hack into a grenade on a cop's like waistband or whatever, yep. and he'll just be like, "Huh?" And it just like it just. It just blows up for no reason. Like, it's why really you have funny. Digital grenades. Uh, and they have little things like they were in the first game. Like you can set off a guy's cell phone, so it starts ringing like crazy, yeah. or basically like EMPs. You like, can it's great. Up, you can set up like a maximum overdrive bomb where all mm-hmm. the cars just start going wonky when, and they're just. It's yeah, like it's just it's got a lot of like silly nonsense. So uh, I will I mean, say is like because like that's what the first game promised. You yeah. know, it's like it seems to be delivering on sort of what we thought that like. A sandbox in a connected universe mm-hmm. is. Yep. That sounds incredible. So that I will say, like, uh, like on the downsides, uh, the I'm not like 
I don't think it's offensively bad. I'm not like overtly crazy about the sort of like dead sec hacker culture thing. I think it walks a very thin line of being like lolcat meme heavy. But on the flip side, like I was walking to work this morning and I saw. 10 people that look exactly like people in that game. Yeah. Where you're like, you're a tech douche and you don't know how to dress and you have like huge, like bright neon pink, like leather hot high tops on and basketball shorts and then like a, like a cardigan and like a backwards hat. And I'm yeah. like, who are you? What are yeah. you? The other thing too is that like as a San Francisco native, like it's, it's tough. Is that a native? Is that a native when you live somewhere? I, don't, I wasn't. I wasn't born I here. Think that means you're from here. A resident. Uh, yep. As a San Francisco re- resident, I've been here for seven years. It's like it's sort of weird to see. It's kind of disappointing to be in a city that is so ripe for something like this, but it's so incredibly truncated. Yeah, like it's sort of a greatest hits of San Francisco. Yeah, and that's that's what's so. I mean. I understand that it can't be one to one because that would be really hard yeah. to but do. Could obviously, it be? Cause, but because I mean, like, this is a small city; it's seven miles yeah. by seven miles. Yeah, but you have a lot of stuff that is boring. Yeah, like the fact that you can drive from like I know we're getting kind of in the weeds here, but the fact that you can drive from downtown to like you know Ocean Beach in yeah, and it doesn't you're not going through like, like forty residential yeah, streets. 40, yeah, like basically. Uh, fun fact about San Francisco for people who aren't familiar: the uh, western half of it is uh, is called the Sunset, uh, and basically it looks like. Uh, like cruising USA when you're going through a city and it's just the same or the Flintstones it's just the same house going by yep, repeatedly and there's tons of f- and there's, N64 fog yeah there's just nothing there yeah it's a it's really terrible draw distance yep. and there's like yeah there's a few jumps but well, and plus um, like the stuff they opted not to do or the stuff they have instead rather is like Silicon Valley and yeah. like Oakland and places that like you can do a little more with than we just also, like extra streets yeah, and we were, we were only seeing uh, we were only seeing like San Francisco proper but they also have, um, they have Silicon Valley which is going to be cool uh, they've got like super realistic like ILM Lucasfilm area like oh, wow. yeah That's apparently really cool. there's like Marin like you can go right over the bridge and see yeah. some of like the mountain stuff which I'm is guessing, pretty cool I guess it's gonna be Muir Woods probably yeah and it's, it's weird because it's like the first Watch Dogs took place in Chicago which is a major metropolitan area but there were also a lot of like weird outpost areas often like forests and woods and like like lakes and like areas where you're like there were like straight up woodland areas where you went to go meet like retired kind of down and out hackers and brought them back into the fold of the reality of the of the major city so i think you'll be able to do that a little bit here Mm -hmm. that being said it's sort of like making a game about new york city and having your car drive from times square to to like brooklyn yeah to brooklyn in half a second like i went to city hall and right behind city hall is a neighborhood near where i live in real life and in this game it was immediately golden gate park which was like immediately ocean beach so it's sort of truncated um i think it's still gonna be really fun and it's so like bright and beautiful and Mm -hmm. like but i mean it's interesting because i don't damn it i said interesting again uh i don't know that's weird a ton about like the main game game but like the story stuff all looks like Mr. Robot, like straight yeah. up. So it's funny hearing you describe it as like silly and fun and colorful because like that's not at all what I feel like the story is. I mean, yeah, the, the angle I'm seeing is that this is very much more like this is like cyberpunk. This is like mm-hmm. this is like mischief. You know, this is yep. like hacker in the in the the kind of classic movie hackers theme hackers like it's a bunch of teenagers getting into trouble uh, and there's obviously going to be kind of political themes but it's got this kind of it's it's not the punisher with a smartphone it's punk kids with smartphones yes. you know? yeah and it's yeah, like yeah. if you look at the antagonist if you check out the story trailer that ubisoft just dropped the other day uh the bad guy in this game like uh who's the main character's name what's his name marcus 
I believe. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah. I'm totally forgetting. So. Um, straight up punches the bad guy in the game in the face in the story trailer, which means he's not this like nefarious dude in a tower. No, he's, he's like a, he's some asshole that works at a dot com, and yeah. you can go and yeah. be like, no, "What are you doing?" Mark Zuckerberg with a man bun. Exactly. He's just like a very hateable you know tech bro who says Palmer Lucky Namaste at the end of a conversation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and like he's he's doing yoga on the floor, and you hit him. Like this is not some guy that you can't reach. This is a guy who's sort of like you look at like the text the tech scandals that happen in the city all the time. You look at something like the Wells Fargo hack thing that just happened where they're just like incrementally office spacing pennies uh, mm-hmm. from the dollar fractions of a penny I mean that's the kind of stuff that I think you're going up against in this game whereas the first game was sort of like this you know nebulous crime boss running this hacker network yeah. and it was which is such so a video serious. game thing yeah. yeah and I think I think this time around they're sort of like they're they're making it so if you want to stick to the script you can play it seriously you can be like I'm taking down this criminal enterprise but you also don't have to do any of that. You know, you can just go outside and like it feels more the way we were mucking around out there felt more Saints Row than it did GTA five. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think it. in the absence of either of those games getting a proper release this year, uh Watch Dogs has a lot of space to kinda to run around, which mm-hmm. is nice because we I mean I'm I'm always starved for like a nice yeah. crime driven open world game in a cool city. And if you and, want the serious one, you got Mafia Three on the other hand. So yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's what's nice is like it's kind of like how Call of Duty and Battlefield are so different this fall for once. Like, I love that. I love that, mm-hmm. like, we have multiple open world games coming that are totally different. Like, mm-hmm. this fall, instead of, like, The Witcher and Metal Gear and things like that last year, which are obviously different in their own way, this year it's Watch Dogs, Mafia, or Final Fantasy Fifteen, which are, like, the three, like, furthest polar opposites. Like, I, I really like that. Yeah. I like that not every game is going to feel samey this fall, hopefully. Yeah. Also, one thing I don't think a lot of people are really talking about, there are a ton of actual dogs in this game. Oh yeah, they're yeah. everywhere. Like tons. And I know there's a lot in San Francisco. In San Francisco there are more people ha- there are more people who own dogs than there are children in the city. Yes. That's an actual fact. There's As more pet owners than parents cuz it's just easier to have one and it dies after 10 years and you don't have to put it in yeah, a crappy school. Yeah, we all school. got MacBook Pros and we're sterile, so you exactly. know, can't conceive. Uh but there are so many dogs in this game and some of them like we were in we were in uh, Golden Gate Park which is we just had an hilarious series of events there where we start started putting <laughs> pushing cop cars into lakes and a helicopter came to fight us. As one and we, does. And we fought it with a drone. <laughs> but we found two dogs wrestling, and I, I forget what we did. Did we, like, EMP them or something? We started messing with them, and then police dogs showed up, and there were just real dogs and police dogs running around. You can pet them. You can shoot You them. can take selfies with them. You can take selfies with them. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Alana and I were talking about playing and just hanging out with all the dogs. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I just want to try in this game. Yeah. Uh, I think James Duggan told me that he got uh, sort of he got sort of molested by one of those R two D two looking robots. Like really? You can, go up, you can hack it, and it's got like different like it's got like different kind of motivations. And one is like patrol, and one of it's like go to sleep, and one of it's just like a heart sign. And he's like, oh, it'll be friendly now, and it just goes up, and it just starts like bashing into him, and it was like hurting him, and he's like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. God, that's so weird. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> definitely a weird looking game. I'm I was excited about it to begin with, but I'm more excited about it now. I'm kind of almost relieved because yeah, yeah just, I don't like this. Makes will, me more excited. For I will it. easily spend twenty hours screwing around in this game, just yep. having fun, and that's yeah. exactly what I want this fall. So mm-hmm. I think um, it'll be one of those things where I'll probably spend most of my time just running around the main map, doing side missions, doing cool stuff that like helps my character get better and learn new tech um, which I'm really excited about and then like the main campaign stuff I'll get to it when I get to it and I'll enjoy it I don't think this game's gonna get 10s anywhere uh, maybe not even nines, but it's good fun or and maybe it will I don't know like maybe the story's awesome like yeah. that, that's like the, mm-hmm. the the full package is so important to me right like they're like I don't really care about GTA stories but I love driving around in those games yep. um, I think 
having one or the other isn't always enough to like sustain interest. If you have both, like if it does have a super compelling story and I can mess around with it, like that sounds amazing. Yeah. We've also like there have been there have been <clears throat> fourth quarters for Ubisoft where they're like, here's an Assassin's Creed game, a Far Cry game, a Watch Dogs game, all of our open world things at the same time. Um, we're not getting any of those this year except for Watch Dogs. And I don't yep. really feel truly fatigued on open world games. Like, I think I started to by the end of last year. And plus, it sounds different enough that, like, this doesn't sound like an Assassin's Creed game that's been reskinned. Right. Like, and I this think what Max definitely... said is right about being able to bounce between this and Mafia 3 is going to be yeah. just a really nice sort of yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, <laughs> Goldfarb, you're playing Persona 5 in Japanese. I am, and I do not speak literally a word Japanese. Okay. What is uh, a word? We actually got a comment from uh, Scott Tremper. He said, I've been seeing Andrew playing Persona 5 in Japanese with being unable to understand the text and character development relationships being so important to that experience. Has this ruined the game in any way for him? I know he was incredibly excited for it, and as someone who considers that to be my most anticipated game, I couldn't play it in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's you're not wrong. Like, I don't entirely disagree. It's a weird way to play it. Um, I don't... So I'm... This sounds weird because I'm playing the game, but I'm also avoiding spoilers for the game. Like, it's weird because I'm not... Like, there are some things you can get visually in terms of, like, pantomime from cutscenes and stuff, but, like, largely by not understanding the dialogue, I don't really know what's going on fully in the stories like obviously like a party member will join or something and that's been obvious but um does it feel like watching a movie on like telemundo it doesn't even feel like that it feels like watching a movie on mute like oh, it's weird. basically like the, i'm not playing on mute and the music is amazing but it's just basically like getting everything out of it other than the actual character relationships and context it's really interesting and like hmm. the like battle mechanics are incredible it's a gorgeous game like i feel like i'm i'm getting a grip on the systems now and just by trial and error like certain recurring menu options like visiting the dungeon and things like that i can totally figure out um the menu itself like the core menu actually is in english uh or it's in both so it's like system and uh equip and status and all like the rpg stuff you need is actually written entirely in english so that's easy but then once you're into those menus drilling down isn't always easy right Um, i was actually sitting there watching you play it and it was really interesting a to see you so happy and b (laughs) uh to i was just like i don't know much about these games i tried to play the one on vita and just couldn't get into it i think someone told me you can skip the first hour and i heard that wrong and what they meant was you should pay attention to everything in the first hour (laughs) so i was like why are these kids in school fighting a dog or whatever i have no idea but um the art direction is incredible in this game the menus uh like all of the presentation around it is super cool yep Uh, even if neither of us had any idea what was going on so to get into the nuts and bolts real quick you can you imported this which anyone listening to the show can do. Yeah, it's on and Amazon it, Japan. They ship wherever. And it's region-free, and it runs just on any U.S. or anything, any PS4, right? Yep. So, because uh, I, I tweeted out a picture of you playing it, and a lot of people were like, I'm so jealous. And I was kind of like, well, you can get this. Like, you can do that. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird, you can buy it. It's about 85 bucks all in to ship it, which is obviously more expensive than buying a normal game. Um, so you have to be into it. Uh, I'm obviously still going to buy it and play it in English when it comes out. And I don't know how far I'll get in this playthrough i'm kind of just playing until i run up against a wall at the moment um my biggest thing is right now i'm I'm in i'm like pretty far into the second dungeon at the moment how Uh, how, how much time you put into it like 19 hours right now good wow Um, for a game you don't understand the dialogue of but it's interesting like almost said uh the commenters call me out and saying interesting so i'm trying to say interesting okay is fascinating stopping fascinating worldly it's (laughs) Gorgeous. Incredible <laughs> that uh, like I'm playing on very easy because if I get poisoned or like any kind of status ailment, 
I'm just screwed. Because you don't know how to talk to a Japanese I doctor. Don't, I don't know how to use items or spells <laughs> for poison. Like, healing items say HP or SP, so I can heal my, like, mm, magic like, or health really easily. Stuff is... But status ailments, I don't know which status ailment it is. Exactly. It's like trial and error. I had that, like, Google Translate word lens thing. And but it's all stylized fonts. See, that, it couldn't even read it, yeah. so that was the other thing. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> there will be English guides. They're in the works already. Um... There's a site called Traduco Soft that's working on one, um, and then Persona Central will link out to it, I'm sure. Like, there's like plenty of ways that it won't be hard to play it. I'm just doing it so early. Yeah, like, because the localized running. version doesn't come out in America until February, right? February 14th. Yeah. Valentine's Day. Yeah. yeah. Which is really nuts because, like, that really reminds me of, like, growing up and playing video games in the 90s where, like, you would read about stuff in a magazine and be like, oh, they got a fan- Final Fantasy game, like, a year before us. Like, yeah. It and seems that like, never happens anymore. No, because, like, yeah. I mean, uh, like, European and English-speaking countries are sort of, like, the lead skews when it comes to most major video game releases. But, you know, hardcore Japanese RPGs are still going to start there first. Yeah, well, I mean, Final Fantasy XV is not, right? Like, that's a worldwide launch, which is really cool of them. And yeah. I think, you know, maybe it t- made development time longer, but it's awesome that everybody gets that game the same day. Uh, they didn't do that with uh, Lightning Returns, uh, the last of the Final Fantasy thirteen games. And so Marty and I did... Let's plays in Japanese, where again we didn't know what was happening. We we're just kind of making up our own story as we go. Uh, we're doing that with Persona as well. Uh, so a bunch of those are recorded already. They should start rolling out next week. You're making up your own story. I mean, less so with All this one. All the girls love me, and I'm the but- king of the cats. <laughs> <laughs> you do have a cat with you, Here right? He Almost is all the time. cat prince back with his forty girlfriends and a million dollars. I'm Andrew Goldfarb, Mr. Persona. <laughs> So who's here for smooching? Hey, so I wanted to ask, like, what do you think? Uh, what, do you, what do you think it's gonna it's gonna be like mechanically for like what's gonna stick out to people who have played Golden? Like, what's different yeah. and what's like what's what sticks out to you as being like the the most you know interesting developments? Because I mean, it, it's crazy that like Golden obviously was a remake, but it was still a PS2 game, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously Persona Three was Persona was PS2. So it's a really cool way to see. Like the jump in tech, because they, they essentially like like Catherine came out on PS3 and was great, and then there have been spinoff games and stuff. But like for a core per- Persona game to like when you walk through like Shibuya, like the streets are crowded, and like in the high school, there's like more people around in general, and like you can interact with everything. There are more buildings to go in. There are more like robust mini games, and it just feels like it caught up generationally. And I think that's sort of the first like, oh, like, wow, this is a 2016 game. Like in that way, it feels Mm -hmm. really updated. But then at the same time, like if you've been playing Shimigami Tensei games, if you if you played Persona 3 and 4, like it is still the same core game, which is really nice. They didn't make it a shooter or anything. It's still still Persona. Yeah. Yeah, And that's what's so nice about like, like, yeah, I'm playing in Japanese, but like, okay, like I'm in the Velvet Room. I know the options are going to be to fuse Personas or to like talk to Igor or whatever. And like, social links like if i mash a button enough and like a thing pops up that says rank four i'm like okay i did it like i leveled up that social link like it's a really weird way to play something that you're familiar with because uh you kind of know what's going on i feel like it would be like poor mark medina on our team is going to try to capture from this japanese copy having not played persona games as far as i know and i feel like it'll be 10 times more confusing to seems him like a good use of his me. time yeah. do you think uh you would do well in a japanese school in real life now like, if we just dropped you in a yes. Japanese high school. What have you learned from your time with this game? <laughs> I, I learned a lot about talking Japanese cats. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Now, I like the idea of you just showing up to like a foreign country and sitting down and being like, and I'm like I'm, 20 I'm years older than everybody. <laughs> I, it is cool that uh, some of the little side activities and stuff are really fun now. Like you can you can go to the movies, which you could also do in previous games. But it's cool because like you go in, you see yourself in the theater, and you sit next to the cat, and like Morgana, the cat, like reacts to everything, uh, which is very cute. Mm-hmm. And like she's in like bandit form in the in the palace which is like the alternative to the midnight channel from persona 4 and then uh and in the real world she just looks like a cat but she can still talk to you it's real weird all right it's Beautiful. great um we'll have those let's plays out they'll be on youtube.com slash ign beyond uh probably starting on monday hopefully maybe later next week um and then i'm also just on twitter tweeting clips and stuff cause cool it's and if you pretty. want to smooch andrew get in line because he's prince of the riches and all the cats <laughs> and 50 girlfriends yep I heard a hundred, a hundred girlfriends. <laughs> uh, so they announced that there's going to be a Firewatch movie. Yeah, this is a weird one. Yeah. Um, we uh, Firewatch came out this year. Yep, um, I think February. Yeah, maybe? Um, somewhere in there. We all, we all, we talked about it endlessly on this show. You can go back and listen to that. Uh, it's like three hours long, four hours yeah. long, maybe. So you can yeah, probably ish. finish it in a couple of sittings. Yep. Um, and also, just uh, it came to Xbox as well, but uh, on that day they added in a new like audio tour mode. Yep, and it's really cool because it's not just like director's commentary. They literally it's a separate mode of the game where uh, you're in national park is like the rough idea of that game. And now when you walk up to like the supply boxes, they've literally been like it breaks the fourth wall, and it's like uh, when you're taking like an audio tour or something, you put headphones on and you hit play on the thing, and it's like art with ollie and it's ollie moss talking about like how he designed stuff and like you open up uh like the safe boxes where you used to be able to get supplies huh. and it's storyboards that you can look through or like you can watch uh like wow. camera tests huh. and like it's this really cool like almost like museum mode is way there, to play the game do we know if they're gonna patch that into the ps4 version no it is yeah oh, it is. Right. Yep. yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah. Cool. i think it's on pc as well oh awesome um, that's great yeah it's it's awesome and it's a free update for and obviously comes when you buy the Xbox version. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, like this game has a lot of loving care in it, I think. Yeah. And uh, if you aren't familiar with Ali Moss or if you are like art wise, I think that's the thing. that's the most stunning was the visual style. Um, once you're into it, I actually love the story. The performances are some of the best ever I, in a game. I really, in my opinion. really like that game. Yeah. Um, I know you weren't so wild about it, Brian. I liked it a lot. I mean, I would have like if I had to give it a, a one to ten, which I hate doing for something like that. But I would have said like an eight. You yeah, know, yeah. Maybe a seven point five at the um, lowest. Uh, I, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't crazy about the way it all came together. But one of my one of my things coming out of it was like, I really enjoyed this, but I don't know if it needed to be a game because I felt like the way it told the story might have worked better as like a short animated film that just shows up on Netflix one day. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, but so. I, think, I think it also I like that it is. It was a short game, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that as far as these kind of, you know, is it a game? I don't, it, for lack of a better word, interactive experience storytelling whatever that thing uh i liked it i think better than gone home right um because it is there's actually the stuff you're doing feels more grounded like there are mechanics you know it's It's not just like looking for stuff like we're not you know like gone home is an incredible incredible game and i love it and i've played through it multiple times and i recommend it to everybody but it's about the self-discovery of a teenage girl Mm -hmm. whereas this is more about like especially in the prologue about sort of the collapse of a relationship and about like very adult themes that I think obviously are going to resonate better with a 20 something dude. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's more just that it's, uh, you know, it's kind of the same, almost the same investment of time, but there's a sense of like, you're not just doing it all in one go, you know, mm-hmm. like you're not just walking around a house aimlessly for four hours, which I felt like kind of was, or, you know, for three hours, whatever, going home. But in this case, it's like, 
I like that there are there are breaks in like they're like oh this day is over this thing happened cut that's the end right. of it uh, and that's one of my favorite things in in when games do that I think it's it's awesome to be like oh time passed because that's a thing you need to have to have good pacing in a story yeah, like in and the Last of Us because and... of that yeah because of that I think this would work really well as a movie. Yeah, uh, and honestly, like you know, that's one of those things you can iron out the problems you had with the gameplay by making. It I mean, movie. the the thing to me is like number one, I hope Sean Vanaman and Jake Rodkin are involved with the script. Like, yeah. I, I hope that they write this thing. Uh, number two, what I'm really curious about is uh, the cast because one of the things that sold this for me were those performances. I think with bad performances, this wouldn't be nearly as interesting of a game, uh, and they're so pitch perfect that number one. If you recast, it would be jarring to anyone who knows the game. But number two, like assuming they stick to even the basic structure, you're not going to be seeing uh, Delilah. You're you're no. spending most of that time with the main character, uh, which so, is going to be. I watched a movie over the weekend called Buried mm-hmm. with Ryan. Reynolds. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. He's in the, yeah, he gets, buried in the movie, gets stuck yeah. in that box. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that movie is entirely told from his perspective with his voice. He wakes up in the box, a coffin buried underground, and he's got two cell phones a lighter and a flashlight and everything is told through just those those items and that those means you don't ever see anybody else you hear other voices and stuff like that but that's about it uh tom hardy did a movie i believe it's called lock which is about the same same sort of situation where he's in a Mm -hmm. car and he's just driving and he's on his cell phone or his navigation there's a way of doing that right and firewatch or like castaway yeah yeah firewatch is predominantly one character talking to others who are mostly off screen or kind of nearby. And I think the idea of it working is really cool. Um, where I want to see is like, is this live action? Is this animated? Like, is it CG? Is it hand drawn? Like, I mean, they didn't say, I can't imagine the point of doing a CG or hand drawn version because yeah. at that point, like I do think the game is the way to play it. Yeah. Um, a live action adaptation would be, potentially really good i actually think it would make a really good play weirdly like this is the kind of thing that like it feels like when you watch like um uh the movie doubt with like meryl streep and philip seymour hoffman which is uh, like very obviously adapted from a stage play yeah um Mm -hmm. like something like that so the one where they're trapped in a coffin i'm just kidding (laughs) yikes they got buried in the same coffin by I, I think that there's a way to keep something sort of in one location. There's obviously TV. There are a million bottle episodes of any number yeah. of shows. Uh, but the performance has to carry it. And, like, I really like Rich Summer. I think he did a really, yeah. really good job as that character. Well, you, yeah. ever see, um, you ever see Where the Buffalo Roam? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. it's Bill Murray playing Hunter S. Thompson. Yep. Did yep. you see the but the Johnny Depp one first? And it's, like, it's really weird seeing yeah. a character you're familiar with being played by somebody who's, like, a little bit... Not doing the same thing at all. Uh, it's like the Willy Wonka remake. Exactly. Or like yeah. even like a James Bond thing, right? Yeah, totally, like yeah, like totally. it's like very jarring going yeah. from like um in this case I feel like the switch of format, like those are obviously those are all instances of, of live action actors taking on different roles. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the fact that you're going from these like you know, this like Wreck It Ralph hands like first person CG game with Ollie Moss art direction. Yep. If you switch that and made it like incredibly gorgeous like cinematography in, in Yosemite with live actors and like, Yeah. So maybe you actually you start out you show the relationship at the beginning like you actually give some context to that yeah, like I think that's what's interesting about, about yeah. storytelling yeah. in movies versus games and we talk about video game movies all the time because they keep trying to make them and you know we've got Assassin's Creed coming out this year uh, what was it Ratchet and Clank happened this year too mm-hmm. and it was just like it totally missed the point um, I think it's interesting that this game 
I can say interesting, right? You can't. Yeah, you, uh, yeah. This game is first person, and you never see the fi- the main character's face. Yep. Right. You see his hands. You see his chunky legs. I love that when he's climbing and up the mountain and stuff like that. Delilah either. Um, it's also like most video game movies are a ninety minute adaptation of a story that takes twenty to thirty hours to play. Mm-hmm. This game is two two and a half three hours long. Yeah, you could almost do it one to one. You could almost do it one to one. Yeah, but it, I don't know if it would be the most interesting thing. So I don't know. You cut uh, out it, some of the parts where you're walking around looking for boxes. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like exactly right. Like it's it's three four hours, but if you cut out the actual gameplay parts of it, then it probably is only really in terms of like the control. I mean, not like cutscenes, but in terms of the story moments, it probably would only be like an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's there are a lot of things that work really well. Like one of my. I, this isn't like, I mean, I guess it's technically a spoiler for anything that happens. It's not like a story moment or anything. So I'll give it a second. But in that game, uh, one of the cutest little moments is she asks you to describe yourself uh, early on. And you you pick traits. You say, mm-hmm. um, oh, I have a mustache. Or, oh, I have an eye patch. And it gets ridiculous. And at the end of the game, or, or later in the game, you see the drawing that yeah. came from that. And like that's a really cool thing because it's interactive. And because it means yep. something that you saw what you know you told her you were and then how she made that look so it's like a really weird oh we just got a psvr oh wow huh what does it uh, say do not open embargoed well we so we oh can't open it so thanks for bringing in okay. a psvr in the middle of the show ah hold it up can everyone well, hold it up so everybody can so see now you know how big the box is wow uh, that is a big about, box it's yeah. about the size of wait are we allowed to say we have it all right. Well, yeah, I hope so, because we're recording this. Yep. Uh, yeah, so we just got a PSVR here uh, in the middle of the show. Uh, it, is a, it is a box. It is All a right, box. we can't open it. We can talk about it. It says, Greatness there. Awaits on the side. Hold on. What is this? Let me see here. Okay, so one end of the box is about the size of a piece of office paper. Uh, and then it's, uh, I don't know, maybe like a foot and a half. What is that? Like What is that, like 14 inches, do you think? Yeah, it, it says, right. Contents, PSVR, or VR headset, VR headset connection cable, processor unit, stereo are headphones. We, allow, we, allow, we might not be allowed to, to get fine. into all that. HDMI cable, USB cable, AC adapter, AC power cord, VR demo disc, hmm. uh, lens cleaning cloth, and printed materials. So there's a lot of cables. You've probably seen a lot of pictures of a guy sitting in a room by himself uh, wearing this headset. You're going to have me. that, but you're going to have that with a lot of snakes. <laughs> Yeah, just big long cables. Yeah, really so cool. here we go. This is a PlayStation VR. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, man, I really want to play with one of these. I want to, I want to play, don't sit and do a podcast. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I hope I'm in Brian's picture right now. Yeah, sorry, we're posing for a picture in the middle of the show. Anyway, um, yeah, so Firewatch movie really got derailed there. Uh, I'm super yeah. down with it. I would love to see. I think also with the fact that because it is an indie indie game, it's a small studio like Campo Santo. They are they're not. It's not like I don't know, like Paramount came up to them and they're like, we yeah. want to make a movie based on this video game. It's not like... Well, and I like that yeah. it's proportional, right? Like, yeah. I love the idea of doing this as a low-budget thing shot on location in Yosemite or whatever it is. Like, that sounds awesome as opposed to, hey, a big AAA game like Assassin's Creed gets a big AAA movie like Assassin's Creed. I yep. think that's like a totally reasonable, uh, like, one-to-one. Yeah. Super um, excited to see what they do with it. I, uh... Skeptical that we ever actually see it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's there are so many video game movie announcements where I'm like, all right, like when I'm in the theater, I'll believe that's a real thing. Yeah. Wait a minute. What? It. I don't think this has. Oh, it has the VR demo disc. I'm sorry. Yeah. You uh, read this it. isn't you the one. With, this isn't the one with the move controllers. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, this is the camera. Core. Yeah. Yep. It just okay. said on the back. It says you'll need a camera and a controller. 
Uh, so we got some Beyond Good and Evil 2 concept art by way of... Uh, and we don't even know... Yeah, this is a weird one. Yeah, and it's Michelle Ansel's Instagram. Uh, yeah. So here's the story with this. this he doesn't a, even officially say it's concept art. It no, can be it's, fan got art. A, it's got a man he, with a pig. He literally just put it out there, and yeah. so we don't know context. Uh, we don't know... It's also like it's weird because like he is working on he's working with his studio is it Wild Pigs or something Wild Hogs well he's Wild, Wild Hogs studio. he's working on that game Mark Lawrence and Josh yeah. Travolta and which uh, is not that's the even more confusing thing is that he's making that game he's right. also and at, that's totally separate from Ubisoft but he yep. is still he's still at Ubisoft Montpellier and yeah. obviously worked on the Rayman games uh, he as far as I know was involved with the UBR engine. And this concept art is all kinds of weird questions because it's uh, it's uh, a piglet. It, it's like a um, baby version, and and there's some man in it that we also don't know. Like I, it's not. This isn't like a direct sequel, which is what the footage of Beyond Good and Evil came out in like 2010 or 2009, and it was like test footage where it just looks like a very pretty HD Beyond Good and Evil, but basically yep. the same thing. And now they've been saying it's still happening in interviews here and there, but then there's rumors it's canceled. There are rumors that Nintendo's funding it now, and it's Nintendo exclusive. Like there's so much all over the map, uh, and it's it's just so weird having no idea what's actually happening with this game. Yeah, it's cool. Hopefully, this is teasing something, and, and later this year we'll get you know the Game Awards or um, PSX or mm-hmm. if, if all that stuff is happening again, which I assume it will. Yeah, then hopefully we see something. You and I were talking about how it's it's a little different than say like a Last Guardian or Duke Nukem Forever, or whatever, because it's never really been officially confirmed to be in development. Yeah. And we haven't seen it. Like, so it's not like they've footage. been wor- It's not like one of those games where it's been on three different consoles and, and generations and it's moving through time and people are just kind of kicking around ideas and it toiling away for eight years. Like, it's a thing that you can tell people want to do that they put out concept art for, but we've never actually, it's never actually been confirmed that this is a game that's actually happening. Yep. Um, which kind of sucks. I don't, are there any ways to play the original Beyond Good and Evil on, yeah, it's on, a, on, on PS4 currently? I, don't, I honestly don't know. I, I don't think I, I don't know if it's on. What did I play it on? Did you play it in HD like last generation? It might have been on PS3. I don't know. Yeah, you probably remember. did. So yeah. it's, it might be playable through PlayStation now. Yeah. Um, if you've never played it before, it's a really sort of cool, uh, kind of modern day ish Zelda like game. Uh, this is weird as hell. It's weird, yeah. It's, it's starring just... this woman named Jade, who's a photographer, um, and also has like a bow staff that she used to fight. And she has a bunch of animal friends, so it's sort of like a kind of a grounded Star Fox starring a human woman, who also yeah. has to go into temples. And the photography element's cool because it's very Pokemon Snap. Um, she's got a hovercraft that she uses to get around the map. There's uh, Rastafarians that work in a auto body garage. Yeah, it's there's, real. It's real French. There's like Italians that they call you a lot and give you uh, photography jobs. Um, really cool game. Very special, very unique, definitely from a sort of bygone era of gaming. Um, and yeah, it's very beloved. I'd love to see it return in some capacity. I don't know. There was a there was Beyond Good and Evil HD on PS3. Yep. I don't. I think I played think... that. Probably not on PS4 then. Well, I, I was trying to find if it was on PlayStation Now. It doesn't oh. look like it, but I'm honestly not sure. Well, I somebody could be would wrong. probably email us. Let us know. Yep. Um, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I I just thinking about something like this that was unofficially sort of not announced, but discussed and kind of half revealed and I think it was 2008 I think I was looking at it really yeah. is that far back yeah um, it's something in there and the first one came out what year was that 2000 somewhere know. in there yeah yeah anyway um, it kind of reminds me of like Dennis Dyack's Eternal Darkness yes thing, totally where it was like mm-hmm. we got one game people really liked it and then for 10 years 
They're like, we want to make another one. We're thinking about it. We have concept art. We have a Kickstarter. David Hayter's part of it. And then it all just kind of flutters away. It came, yeah. uh, it was 2003. It wow, came out okay. on PS2 uh, and PC. And then, uh, yeah, the 360 PS3 HD version 2011. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, it doesn't have... You know, it's a beloved classic, but it doesn't really seem like the kind of thing that has a, a live and kicking fan base. You know, so it's, yeah, it's definitely like, if they're gonna if they're gonna make it, I, it wouldn't surprise me even if they were like, "Hey, here's a game called Beyond Good and Evil." It's like, is it a remake? Is it a prequel? Is it a reboot? Like, what is it? You know, like kind of the same approach to Tomb Raider. I think that makes or much more Mirror's sense. Edge. I mean, yeah, like what exactly. they just did with Mirror's Edge, it's it's technically a prequel rather than a sequel, and it sort of was meant to bring people into that world in that game in that universe and uh as far as we know it didn't do particularly well so maybe that's it for mirror's edge like yeah i worry about uh beyond good and evil in the same way i think there really is some really cool novel gameplay there and it does feel like a a zelda for everybody mm-hmm. else uh i don't know what that how that would play i honestly don't well i felt like mirror's edge was aiming at the audience that loved the first mirror's edge and then it let them down Whereas I feel like a game like this needs to swing for the fences and just be like, this is a like modern day open world ish. Mm-hmm. It would be action adventure. There's no that's way that they would, thing. Yes. Yeah, there's no way that they would just like throw the same mechanics from the game from 2003 in there. No you know, way. It would, be, it would be something completely like we saw that one little bit that was just incredible. It was gorgeous looking. It was pretty much looked like an Assassin's Creed game with a pig in it. You yep. know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, I could be, I'd be really down for that. I'd love to see something. Of the you know the same level of polish as you know Assassin's Creed or, or Watch Dogs yeah. or Far Cry, but it's got a weird fantasy element, and they're kind of missing that in their in their. We're also like and we we didn't get a brand new 3D dedicated Zelda game from Nintendo this generation. We got Wind Waker HD. We got Breath of the Wild next year, which is like who knows what consoles that'll land mm-hmm. on where. Uh, we didn't even get like a Darksiders or anything like that. So you're kind of like in at a loss for a Zelda-like game on PS4. Yeah. Plus, like, look what they did with Far Cry 3, which was, like, obviously, shout out to Mitch Dyer and many other people of Far Cry 2, but uh, the way that Ubisoft took the original Far Cry, yeah. which is nothing like Far Cry 2, 3, 4, Primal, uh, and kind of took something that people knew but reinvented it, I would love to see them do that to, uh, to this. Yeah. Yeah. Be awesome. That's a great idea. All right. Now it's time for a segment of the show we call Rapid Fire. Are these from Facebook this week? These are from Facebook this week. The Facebook.com slash group slash podcast beyond. And uh, every week, Brian goes in there and asks for cool little short, mini, tiny, little fun-sized, bite-sized questions filled with peanut butter and caramel. And this week... A lot of those are about peanut butter and caramel. It's weird how many people ask food questions. I like that. What's on my shirt? And we're like, we're ha- you have to come closer and let us lick it Lickable off. Lickable like, like weird little it, dogs. Is it skull pineapples? What? Yeah, that's my shirt. I got skulls and pineapples. One of these things will kill me. The skulls or the pineapples. You never know which. Together at um, last. Guillaume Druin says, do leaderboards still matter in 2016? This is a really good question. Yeah. Yes. I think so. I think it depends on what kind of games you play. And I feel like I promise you this is the last time I will say the words of Resident Evil 4 on a podcast. Someone called me out on it the other no, day. It's absolutely not. <laughs> For a while. Uh, I finished that game the other day on professional mode. And it was like, do you want to update your do you want to upload your your time to the leaderboard? And I was like, what? That's a thing you can do in this game from 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. OK. And I wasn't particularly proud of it, but I just kind of threw it out there. And then I went and looked at the leaderboards and I was like, oh, man. I'm terrible. Yep. Like, people are Yeah, it's are always awesome. a wake-up call. Dude, yeah. like, that's the same deal with, like, Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear 5 Online, that the whole, like, weird, massive leaderboard yeah. system where they're like, here's what your PMC rank or whatever is. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It does. I, I'm bad at this game. I know that. And what I really like is the 
the leaderboards that compare you to your friends. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the sweet spot. I think Sleeping Dogs was the first game that had one of those. Like it didn't have an online mode, but it would have weird stuff like where you were just driving around the city. If you're like, oh, you're doing a clean drive, and it would be like it would start a little counter, and it would tell you like your friends. If you beat your friend's score, it would be like, oh, like highest score. You know, somebody can drive for 60 seconds without crashing into a mailbox yep. or whatever. And if you, you do something like that, I, I love that approach. Uh, I think that was kind of the basis for – was that Need for Speed? Uh, I was just going to say. Yeah. I was looking at which – yeah, Most Wanted. Yeah. Most Wanted, yeah. You've seen Most Wanted. It does such a good job with that. And it's yeah. a, I think it's a really great way of doing it. And it's, you know, it's an online component, but it's not – it's not intrusive. It's not like you're getting notifications of people being like, "I want to challenge you." But you kind of you wind up start you start kind of gamifying like weird little like just passive mechanics. Like, yeah, it's yeah like, and I, it's like downloading ghost data in racing games is yep. pretty cool. Like there was um uh there was a weird time. Do you guys remember Game Center on iOS? Yeah. Where like it was every game was connected into it, mm-hmm. uh, and you didn't really have a choice whether or not to use it. So I, I don't know how I even connected with a couple people on it, but me and Per Schneider and Nate Ahern and I think Greg Miller and a couple other people were all playing a bunch of the same iOS games at the same time, and they all had leaderboards, and we were playing... One of the games we were playing was Jetpack Joyride, which oh, yeah. is like the perfect yeah. pick-up-and-play casual game where they keep dropping more carrots in front of you to keep getting better and better. And... In the middle of playing it, like you'd get a run of like 10,000 meters, I would pass Per Schneider. And I'd be like, oh, I just beat my boss. Like, that's yep. awesome. Like, little things like that are really cool. I think when they, they're happening during the game, but you're not really thinking about them the other time, yeah. it's sort of like passive competition. I'm really into that. In terms of looking up where you rank in the world, it's humbling and it's, it's miserable and it always makes me feel like I'm yeah. crappy. Yeah, 100%. And I honestly think that, like, it's a really weird. I think to the question, do they matter? Yes, they 1 billion percent matter because I think there are certain games like literally every day I'll play this Funky Daily Challenge specifically, check the leaderboards, and I think uh, it's like worth checking up on like how you're doing in a game like that. But even leaderboards that aren't natively part of the game, like the speedrunning community, like it's crazy how you can look up any game and find like divided by category, like how people are doing. And I think oh, yeah. when that's baked into a game, it's even better. Yeah. And so I think it like it keeps a community going. It, it sustains it for longer when you have a, a way to compare yourself to people who aren't in the same room as you. Well, I really like the documentary King of Kongs, even if it yeah. sort of ends it's weird how that movie ends because, like, I mean, it's it's the same thing. Was like, this is a weird comparison, but I watched the Anthony Weiner documentary uh, a couple weeks ago, and the day I finished watching it, six more sex scandals popped up from that guy. Yep. And the King of Kong's thing minus the sex scandal up with him exactly. Uh, it's his dunk. <laughs> uh, um, uh, the King of Kong's thing just ends with it being like this guy won, ha ha ha. And then you look up the like the scores now, and it's like a guy who wasn't even in the movie has the best Donkey Kong score. But I uh, like shout out to communities like Awesome Games Done Quick. Uh, they do really cool stuff over there. It's yep. not necessarily leaderboards, but I love that pro-level, pro-play th- type of thing. And I think if every game introduced the sort of way to watch streams or watch footage of a guy who's got at the top of the leaderboards, like that's sort of like, uh, I don't know, like you, you just w- watching a match from a pro player from directly from the leaderboard would be really, really cool. So I think there's room for it. Uh, everybody wants to be number one. Everything is gamified. So that's that's yeah. a, that's the thing I want to keep seeing happen. Yeah. Uh, hey, really quick. Uh, we hey, should you. say that um, I'm adding it so that someone email. can write it. What is it? Because uh, the PSX dates just leaked and oh. location. Uh, so on Sony's site. There's a registration thing that at the top says uh, PlayStation Experience 2016 Anaheim Convention Center December 3rd to 4th. All right. So that's on Sony's go. official site. Uh, I'm writing an email right now, reaching out, and someone's writing this. But yeah, just uh, 
if that's right, then Anaheim and first week of December. All right. Cool. Um, Billy Martin the third said, do you see social media having brought more negativity to entertainment and media or positivity? I mean, both. It's a heavy one. Yeah. I, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think more. What, it's like the vocal. More it's negativity. That vocal, more negativity. Yeah. It's yeah. that vocal minority thing, right? Like, I think it's easier to get online and complain about something than just to get online and say, hey, I loved this thing. Yeah. And so I, I mean, think social media gives a lot of people a place to gather to either lift something up or a lot of the time, unfortunately, drag something down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, it's, yeah. there's you talked about this like um, I think it was in, in regards to like the like the DC movies, you know, like when you if you have a piece of food that obviously DC movies, some people really love them. So I don't want to go down that whole thing. But like if you have a, if you have like some food that's that's gross, you'll tell your friend like. Oh my god, you got to try this. It's awful. You know, yeah. this is disgusting. But you just tell your friend. You don't you don't go out and like sing its praises. You're not like this is the grossest food I ever had. You got to try it. Right. It's like maybe kind of in the moment like this is a stupid movie. You should, you should check it out if it's on, you know, streaming or whatever. Uh and I feel like there's a similar thing that happens with with social media where people will be more compelled to like leave a negative comment than they will to have a like a positive comment yeah because like maybe like a positive thing like maybe you'll like share something or like that's really that's the uh that's the vir- the viral thing is when you when you find something that's cool enough that you want to like you want to pass it on mm-hmm. uh and that's i think there's also like a weirdness with the the whole call to action thing where youtubers are like like share and subscribe and it's like yeah when they people feel like they're actually being addressed directly guys don't be fair to, don't be afraid to like and share and subscribe our podcast because we appreciate that but um you know it's like whereas if people get the sense that there's not there's not a person there on the other end. They're more likely to just be like, this video sucked. I didn't like it one bit. Thumbs down, unsub, dislike, yep. you know? Yep. I mean, Greg, he's talked about that all the time where he would put up a video and someone would comment and be like, oh, you're a damn idiot. I hate you. You suck, blah, blah, blah. And then Greg would reply and be a human being. Yeah. And then suddenly they would reply and be like, oh, sorry, I had a tough day. I got Can in a fight I get with my a girlfriend. Job at IGN? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, it's like, as soon as you humanize it, yeah, I think it reminds mm-hmm. people it's like, oh, like someone did this or made this. Uh, yeah. A couple of years ago, we were, uh, me and Scott Bromley, who used to work here, who we do the comedy button with now, uh, who does a Star Wars show, which you should watch every Wednesday at noon on StarWars.com. Plug, plug, plug. You're welcome, mother. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Brian, I think you blacked out. <laughs> we were coming back from lunch and uh, we noticed that a building down the street was getting torn down like wrecking balls and everything and we were like we texted our boss and we were like hey we're gonna be like an hour late because this is awesome <laughs> and we sit on the other side of the street like beavis and butthead and we yelled slayer and we watched this building get torn down i've never stopped to watch something be constructed yes correct you know like yep. demolition conversely, yeah. conversely traffic jams yes people will absolutely stop to see a burning car yeah they will not stop to look at a sunset right and or, you've always said no one, a cop never pulls you over and goes great driving back there <laughs> yeah you know so i think like demolition uh gets more eyes yeah. than construction but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a better thing to watch um a big problem we have now with social media and i harp on this all the time but i'm gonna do it again because why not is that there is no uh like twisty slide with a bunch of hiccups and bumps in it between your brain and your mouth or your keyboard anymore. It is just thought, vomit. It's not like, I have an idea. I'm going to think about this. Like if you were in a class and someone told you something, you'd raise your hand, you'd wait to be and you'd wait to be called on and you'd hopefully eloquently explain yourself in front of the whole room. But with social media now, you watch a trailer for something and immediately you go, sucks, hate it, fart, garbage, poop. You don't really get to think about it for a second. So I urge you, if you're on social media, to just 
Give it a second. Yeah, and also don't, be, don't be afraid to like, share, and subscribe my personal YouTube channel, which is uh, like, hate it, garbage fart, poop. That's, That's right. also uh, it's, uh, my uh, favorite hashtag. All my trailer uh, reactions. Yeah. Hey guys, great show today. Hashtag like garbage but fart poop. Yeah, bring, I, uh, I, I uh, down a, just a big thing of Epicac and then yep. I just watch all the latest trailers. <laughs> <laughs> to bring some positivity to this, I do think that there's a lot of good that social media brought. Um, not necessarily always because they take a bad thing and get people's eyes on it. I think that happened a lot, I think, in the last few years in terms of like the argument about diversity in games, mm-hmm. which are actually sort of seeing the direct ramifications from now. Uh, people called out things that were pretty stupid and yeah. things and, are and, getting better. And not only that, but like, I mean, number one, like 100 percent, you're yeah. totally right that like it calls attention to issues that are really important and that it's a direct line to access to developers and to publishers and to people who need to hear that stuff. Yeah. But number two, just peer to peer, like it's so important having people able to gather around and form communities like we were just talking about with AGDQ, with uh, the people who follow certain games, even with stuff like the Beyond Facebook group or like yep. the kind of funny best friends and any number of groups that get together and have a common interest and are able to share that not just twice a year at PAX, but together online 24-7. Like, yeah, I, I mean, there are like 11,000 11, people in the Beyond Facebook group. And yep. I don't know what that would have looked like in 98. You know, yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. just like oh, it's a, cool a comic book organization. Yeah. Uh, and I also think there's accountability now that comes with the sort of ramifications of spouting off about a video game. Like, everything is historically stored now. You look at Sean Murray talking about No Man's Sky and people were able to pull up tweets from him. Like, I don't necessarily think that that's, that all, always should be like the, the villagers with the pitchforks and stuff like that. But there's a history it's a good thing for accountability. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's important. Yep. So, um, and it's also not to mention all the charities that have come together, all the GoFundMes, all the, all the people who are like, my house got robbed. And Sony's like, oh, we saw that tweet. We're going to send you a PS4. Yep. Like, there's good there. Uh, I think just people need to be responsible in the way they use it. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a, it's a big can of worms there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Faust says, if Sony releases a follow-up to the Vita, how do they make the larger mainstream audience care about it? I don't think they can. Uh, no. I don't they know. Can't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the only way they'd possibly do this is, first of all, the Vita name is just dead. They would never, they would never call it that. I think that was a bad name to begin with. Uh, I like it. I don't. I never liked it. This is uh, Lindsay Lohan has that tattooed on her thighs. This is poor, 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 exactly. poor Vita. Um, poor, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, they should have hired Lindsay Lohan as a consultant. I love the Vita. I still play it yeah. basically daily. No, I, awesome. I think there's great stuff on it. Um, I don't know that dedicated handhelds. I mean, like, and success is a weird metric, right? Because I think they can be profitable, probably, if you get the exclusive hardware, if you give people a reason to buy it. But I don't think we will probably ever see a dedicated gaming handheld right. well, sell 50 million units or anything. The you know operative word there is dedicated. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if they made a phone built from the ground up to be a gaming phone, yeah. and it was tied into the whole PSN, you know, if, if you could... Oh, uh, yes, could the Xperia Play. Well, no, that was that was made under Ericsson. Yeah. Like the Xperia yeah, true, Play true. was it was exactly a, a poor example of of Sony kind of fragmenting its departments too much. That did not have the support of PlayStation. Like it yeah. had some buttons on it, but it wasn't like that was just a throwaway. I think that that was one of those things they got the ball rolling on it, and then they were like, "Oh, we're also doing the Vita," and they were like, e- "Record scratch. Like maybe mm-hmm. we yeah. don't want a little place, to, you know, PSP Go phone." Um, but if they were to be like, "Hey, um, we're making a." A phone that is totally a functional phone that that works that you go to your like make something that's competitive with actual phones and it's not just you know it's yeah, not it's just like, this oh it's not just a gaming phone it's a phone that's got you know it's got a good camera on it it does stuff but maybe it also has some you know a D pad on it yeah I mean it's that weird thing where like if if you made a Android compatible super pretty 
strong, powerful phone with a great camera, and the, yeah, also with like gaming controls or even actual like it's a peripheral, but it's literally a Sony like dual stick thing. Maybe I mean maybe something like that. Um, I don't know at that point why. Like it, that just feels like so much R and D and so much risk for them. Well, it's like I think it. Well, I think if they did that, it would still come down to software. Yeah, yeah. it would still yeah. come down to what am I playing on this that I I can't get anywhere else. Yeah, and I always look at it like when you have your Vita or your 3DS, it's a dedicated handheld mm-hmm. specifically tethered to the idea of using it f- uh, predominantly for gaming. But if you want to check the web browser on them, you could. It's just a cumbersome experience, yep. whereas your iPhone does everything and also plays some games. And for most people, that's enough. Like my iPhone plays video games on it also has a really nice camera on the back but if they asked me if i wanted to spend an extra two hundred dollars for a version where a better camera popped off the side of it i'd be like no i don't think so but if you said the same thing for video games like why would my phone of all the things it does also have these go-go gadget arms that shoot out a d-pad and some buttons on the side so i think most people deal with how cumbersome it is to play a video game on their phone at the benefit of the ability to be able to also use it as a camera and sure. web browser. And to not to carry chat. around like an extra like, thing. I don't want to carry my phone and the analog attachment and the extra battery pack. Yeah. And yeah, I mean like yeah. it becomes an issue of just convenience and yeah. having something very easily accessible in my pocket that I have anyway will never be there there can never be anything easier than let's, that. Yeah. Let's say that the all the rumors about the Nintendo NX are true and that winds up being the next Wii. Uh, do you see Sony ever being like, oh, hey, by the way, we're releasing a phone that has two clip-on things that act as controls, and it's yes. built from the ground up with uh, architecture that supports yeah. remote yeah. play. So if, the most if interesting- the NX is that successful, yeah. like yeah. if it came out and really sold 100 million units, then yeah, like everyone would emulate Well, I think one of the coolest things about the NX rumors, which I think Sony could lean into, is that the NX is rumored to be the first console that has access to the entire mobile library, which means that instead of... So Nintendo being like, we're making a mobile phone, they're saying mobile games come to us. So if Sony's smart, they'll say, hey, mobile games come to PlayStation, and then you get everything in one place. I mean, I would imagine what that means is it will play Animal Crossing, Fire Emblem, Mario Run, and Mitomo. Yeah. I don't think it literally means like you can get to the app store from it. Yeah. I think it's just saying it will support Nintendo's mobile games. So I think, yeah. again, it's all about software. Like, I think we'll if see, Sony... Yeah, we'll, we'll see where that goes. If you really want mobile yeah. games on your PS4, they release Angry Birds and you can pay it solid. Yeah, $60, 60 for the trilogy. I, I think yeah. the coolest way to solve this is in 10 years where cloud-based computing is so powerful that you can access any game anywhere to... Put out this sort of shell of a Vita that's basically just just an empty Vita that doesn't even have a ton of onboard storage that's just accessing the cloud. And I can play Bloodborne 3 uh, on a train in Paris yep. wirelessly without having to think about it. Then it's a completely different story. Yep. Right? Like but the whole idea of like popping in little cartridges or UMDs or disc based games or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's gone. It's yep. it, it it came and went. Uh, shout out to Ryan McCaffrey here at IGN, who just did an mm. interview with Jack Tretton about the Vita for, uh, for a little bit. Um, he did a thing called IGN Unfiltered, which is his long-form interview show. He's leaned into a lot of Xbox people, and people complained, and he got one of the biggest PlayStation names of all time. So go check that out. It's a really cool thing. Yep, for sure. Yeah, he talks about uh, the strengths of the Vita and how maybe it was too late. So cool. it was too also, late, yeah. it was really weird walking by that guy in the office. And just yeah. Like, oh, hey. what are you now? Oh, you're not announcing anything yeah. you're here. Yep. Remember when you were on stage yeah. and I was watching? Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I think, I, I hope that if they are actually an R&D on a new Vita, and, and I'm sure they have at least 
somewhere in some room discussed it. I would hope that they have a better solution than just it's a Vita, but now it's twice as powerful and the battery's better. Like, yeah. I, like they need to. It needs some kind of game changer. And I think one of the reasons you see things take off in a big way are normally when they just have some outside of the box idea everyone else didn't think of. And maybe that is NX. I mean, that that was we. Um, I I don't know. I I would love 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 another Vita. I just I. I think there are ways you can make me care about a Vita. I don't think there are that many ways you can make like the yep. mainstream care about a Vita. Yeah, yep. it's just rough. Yep. Um, Tahoe Ria Nevada says, how often do you finish games? Not often enough. Yeah, there are a lot of games. I'm like, I mean, so here's my thing. I am a crazy person when it comes to needing to complete something, even if I don't like it. Like, I will watch till the end of a TV show I'm not enjoying. I will keep playing a game I don't enjoy. And I hate myself for doing it, but I do it because I always have this, like, naive optimism that it'll get better or it'll redeem itself or there will be something I want to be able to talk about or whatever. It's called sunken cost fallacy. Yeah. Honestly, that's really what it comes... The main reason why I finish a lot of games, movies, TV shows that I might have been falling out of love with in the middle or I can actively see are getting worse. That What were you saying before? The Steppenwolf's Triangle? Oh, yeah. I I, I forget if it was Steppenwolf, but somebody somebody was talking about triangle shows where they basically start off really strong, they peak, but then they have a sharp decline at the end. Yeah. So you get that a lot with games where it starts off like like this, gets absolutely amazing in the middle when your character's super powered, and then you find you're going through the motions a lot. Open world games are especially hard for me to to finish. Well, and Um, there's so many games where it's like Bioshock 1 or Arkham Asylum or games that I consider some of my favorite modern games where I don't care about the ending. I never talk about the ending. Like, the things I enjoy are the early parts. And so I don't know, like... I don't know, and, and we actually just ran a thing that I think you guys did in Up and Noon about great games with bad endings. Yeah, that wasn't um, Did you guys do the opposite? You guys did bad games with good endings? I think we've done we've done something like that. There before. was there was one or the other on yeah. something somewhere on IGN. Um, oh, we, yeah, we did just the weirdest endings. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think like there's a really there's a weird balance between getting people hooked at the beginning, which is hard to do, but I think the thing you see the most often, and then sustaining that and making me want to do that thing, find that cool gameplay loop and I enjoy it, but then making me actually want to do it for 5, 10, 20, 30, 100 hours. And then there's the fact that, like, there's two things working right against games is one that they are the only medium that pushes back against you. Like they try to stop you from completing them. Yep. They'll be like, oh, I'm a boss. You don't I know got harder. Fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's exciting. Uh, but and then the other hand is they also have so much padding because they are expensive and there's mm-hmm. a kind of expectation to be like, oh, this needs to be this long of an experience. Or yeah. we spent so much time developing this mechanic or this level or this world or this boss or whatever that let's get our money's worth and let's put. You know, instead of having a room where, where Nathan Drake kills one guy with a shield, there's five guys with a shield. And it's like, like this kind of... It's the bat tank again. Yeah. You know, yep. like stuff like that where you're like, you got... I was super excited the first time I got in that car and yeah. I started driving around. And then by hour 15 of it, I was like, you're just doing this because you built it and you want to show it off. But it's also the... There's the opposite problem, which is that something is so compelling. There's like a Diablo or Destiny or Borderlands or whatever it is where you are so into the game flow loop and you want to play it over and over and over and over that like you're not going to go finish a quest or a storyline yeah. necessarily like in those games and i think gta is guilty of that for me personally like i have so much fun with sort of the systems and the gameplay that like i don't finish it like i never i've never beaten gta 5 because honestly like i love playing gta 5 well because if you ask anybody's favorite memories of an open world game they're not going to tell you the beginning or other end they're going to yeah. tell you about some cool sort of weird thing that happened in the middle yeah like even i think about watchdogs like i hated the protagonist of that game the ending was bad but i had a lot of great moments in the in the midst of all of it yeah yeah and uh, a lot of games like that literally have a point of no return where like you have to like to complete the game or to finish the story 
you have to stop having fun in the open world. Yeah. And it's like, a, to yeah, me, I, don't, I don't think that open world games have uh, beginnings or ends. They've got like entrances and exits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's just, a really good way to look at it. Yeah. There's also a lot of games they make now that just don't even have endings like sports games, arcade games, like Pac-Man championship edition two. I was playing over the weekend. Like, uh, Oh, he gets miss Pac-Man pregnant. Yeah. And they have that oh, Pac baby. <laughs> yeah. There's like, there's no endings. You can either just play it forever or you can play it for five minutes and be like, got it. All right, so Tyson Troy Dalgai says, how much longer until we've had a president who grew up on 16-bit games, Grand Theft Auto, and or Banjo-Kazooie? What uh, do you have to be, 35 minimum? Yeah. And then most, but most are closer to 50, 60. So figure if you were Probably born in... Years. Yeah, if you were born in 1990, then yeah, so 2040, I guess. I mean, I'm... 2030, 2040. Yeah, I mean, I'm 35. You're not yeah. right for president. I'm not, not running for president. president. Yeah. Uh, I grew up on 16-bit games, so I think that's like... Really interesting to sort of just be like, if I started running today, I could, on my official Facebook page for Brian Altano for president, I could be like, and I'll help find all the puzzle pieces in Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, and a I bunch mean, of millennials would be like, I got that reference. Like, it's so stupid. I mean, well, and that's the difference between the, is it, when is it possible? Literally right now. Yeah. When is it actually going to happen? I think 20, 30 years. Yeah. Like, before somebody who actually, like, and it's also like the the weird part is that the reason it's going to take so long is because that person can only take office and take power when the older generations have all retired or moved on or right. passed away. So it's like that that weird old guard to new guard yeah. thing. There's also got to be that thing where like it doesn't come off as the corniest thing in the world. Because like you've had politicians before who've been like, I, you know, these kids diddling their thumbs with their Pac-Mens. And you're like, what are you talking about? I hope we can Pokemon Go God, to the God, polls. That like yeah. gave me just. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway. God. But yeah, that being said, like Obama watched Game of Thrones and listened to Jay-Z and well, hung out with Jay-Z, too. And then yeah. had like a Wii in the house. Yeah, that's a true. Big, like, it's a really the, good point, actually. The Polish prime minister brought a copy of The Witcher 2 and was like, hey, this is a game we made. And he's like, oh, this is awesome. We mostly play Wii in my house. Yeah. <laughs> CD Projekt. Red was like fine um yeah, yeah. i think it'll happen yeah, oh I mean, yeah eventually it'll happen. yeah it's yeah. it's it's a emergent medium that's become increasingly popular now, with brian altano for president a twist i wanted to add to this was how long before a twist a twist i wanted to add to this <laughs> before we find a pre before we find the tweets from a president being like gta sucks <laughs> and we're like hey we found your old tweet calling out gta i mean yeah we're yeah yeah, they, I think a little were, bit uh, similar today. But yeah. All right. Yeah. And then finally, yep. the, this is not a very rapid fire. This is like a very kind of uh, rhapsodical. Uh, Alex Tittensor says, can I get a beyond for my second wedding anniversary on the show, please? Absolutely not. One, two, three. Beyond. beyond. There you go. Happy, Happy second anniversary. Yeah. I got mine coming up soon, too. What's the, what's the second anniversary? Is that like the balsa wood anniversary or something? Uh, it's called uh, tinsel. Yeah, that's the leaf you found at the park anniversary. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, is All Dang Sign the New Year's song? When, all when Dang like, Song. <laughs> all Dang. All Dang. <laughs> all right. Dang Song. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We have we had fun here. We have a good time. Are they kicking yeah. us out yet? No, not yet. We're good. Um, anything you guys are excited about these days? Like what's new? Um, Aside from the PlayStation VR that's in front of us, this is this sucks. It's like I'm I'm thinking it's I shouldn't have got my PSVR delivered to work because uh, I'm gonna have to lug this thing home on the train. This is a much bigger box than I thought. Um, yeah, I'm excited for PSVR. I, I have a feeling I'm gonna play it for a little bit and then just put it aside until new stuff comes. I'm gonna out. wear mine every day. I'm gonna put it on my head and like wear like cool sunglasses. A future man of Johnny Mnemonic hats. I don't have VR. a personal one ordered yet. I, yeah, I uh, I'm I really excited about it. I've played how come you guys didn't was it because you missed the window on it or no no no, no not at all no i had it i actually had an amazon one that i killed same thing with uh ps4 pro only because like it's not 
there for me yet. I right. I played all in a row, literally back to back appointments. I ended up playing um, uh, Batman or Arkham VR, and uh, we played Battlefront, and then I played the Tomb Raider, the new mode, and all three of those are wonderful. Like those are awesome VR experiences uh, that have come the closest, but to me, they're still not four hundred dollars worth of yeah, stuff there. Sure. Yet. I don't know money. Like I yeah. I got other stuff I should spend money on. Like yep. I'm having a wedding next year, a, like a literal, actual, real life wedding, not a virtual wedding with some Japanese girl who's running <laughs> in my apartment. I do want to play those, summer lesson. <laughs> I do want to play those weird ass Japanese. There's one. Uh, there's one called Happy Manager, which is about a, a you're, you play as a landlord who's the manager of a house with three women living in it, and it's like I heard about this. I'm like, that sounds Just like your a life. Te- <laughs> this is like a terrible game. I have three women living in my home, and it sucks. They don't I, clean out the dryer <laughs> lint. The cat box needs to get done. Yep. I think for me too, like it's cottage. Cheese all over the fridge. Ah, we only cottage cheese. It's disgusting. That is so gross. Yeah, it looks like larva or something. Of all the like, if IGN did the top 100 cheeses, cottage cheese wouldn't be on the list. Yeah, because it gets vomit behind the back of the list. I like cottage. Cottage cheese sucks. What do you do with it? Eat it. No, like, do you put it, it? Do you put anything on it? I would sooner use cottage mix cheese to spinach make like a fake, fake mix it fake with vomit spinach? for a movie. Yeah. For That's what? Awful. To scare away like, guests. <laughs> You put it outside and trick-or-treaters don't come The thing by. about PSVR is that we have one at work. <laughs> so uh, we're in the unique and lucky situation where like, I don't need to order a personal one yet. Uh, obviously, I know that's different for that's people at home. That's another Japanese game yeah. is unique and lucky situations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming to uh, Vita 2 yeah. mobile portal. See, I yeah. paid for a wedding two years ago, so bring on the anime woman in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know. I don't really know what I'm. I'm I, I have on pre-ordered and a PS uh, Pro, a PS Pro pre-ordered, and I'm doing that re- really weird like thing that where I'm pulling you PS Pro to the polls. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely be doing that. Uh, but I, I'm constantly teetering between canceling my pre-order or not. Yep. Like I don't know what to do because the the Pro I think you'll be able to walk into a store and get whenever you want, but the PSVR is completely sold out for what but looks again, like the rest of the year. My thing with PSVR is I want to wait. I think any new tech at launch, it's you're usually better waiting for 2.0, honestly. And the other thing is like when I'm ready to buy it, when that killer app comes that is so cool that I want to spend the money, there'll be a bundle with it. Like there, there'll be better deals at that point. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like like maybe I'm an idiot and it'll be sold out for the next year and I'll have like nothing but regret but i think truthfully and i'm the same way with pro like i'd rather wait i think with ps4 pro of course there will be bundles there will be cool custom editions there will be all this stuff down the road for when there are more games supporting it and when people have had time to build a game from the ground up for the pro rather than adding support halfway through development yeah. like i just feel like there's so much there's so many more pros to waiting than cons um yeah maybe at launch i'll feel left out a little bit and and yeah like your games will probably look better at launch certainly than than mine will but i don't know i'm i'm fine waiting six months and then for the vr games i'll play them at work like i'm, I'm just lucky enough to be in that situation right now that's yeah. true yeah it's i don't i don't know uh i having played the battlefront thing that was pretty much what i was holding on to but then again that's a eight minute long demo yeah, yeah. that's exactly that's my thing like every vr game that we've played that is really really cool is at most maybe an hour hour and a half long like we don't know how long the Tomb Raider thing is yet um, I think that is incredible I think it would be for me right now just not the best use of my money yep when I have so many yeah, Persona toys to import I need to get a, a second Playstation so that I don't fight over the current one with <laughs> my fiance because she wants to play Persona that's like an actual thing 
I gotta get yeah. it on TV. It's you know, just get another twenty million copies. You heard it here. First. I'm, 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 I'm torn. Do I get do I get a slim? Do I get a pro? Or do I get a uh, refurbished one? Like what do I do there? Uh, I mean, I'll have a refurbished one for sale in a month, so we can talk. All right, um, that's just used. That's not refurbished. It's just used. What does refurbished mean? Uh, refurbished when they like do stuff to the factory. And they go in and they all that's when a high schooler it. at a game store <laughs> p- puts a tape. They on bring the back. out Mark Cerny and he just he just whispers to it. You're all better now. Furbish. Yeah. I don't know. I think I might. I think my big thing is that this fall, I'll probably, man, I, don't, I really want to just go get a new 4K TV. But I feel like if I wait six months, it's going to oh, be yeah. a much better yeah, situation. For, or Cyber at least wait for Black Friday. It's called. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. But honestly, I would even wait into next year because yeah. like a bunch of new stuff is going to get announced at CES, and maybe they announce the first consumer for price Cyber 4K TV. Well, here's the thing, and this is such a first world problem, but I really want a 75-inch TV, and I feel like they're right... Right now, they're like $3,000, and if I wait a year, it'll be the same price as... It, they'll be like 1600 bucks, Yeah. And I'll be able to just get a, a goddamn movie theater in my house. Yeah? Yep. You know what's going to suck is moving that thing? <laughs> nah. You pay a guy. All right. He's gonna, the one man's going to well, carry that my TV. TV Have you ever seen a moving man? They can put a whole couch on like their back. You ever seen a guy lift like a sectional, like one of those like yep. just hulking Wreck-It Ralph looking Dude, dudes? when I moved into- you ever uh, hired movers? Yeah. When like, I moved you ever into seen my a guy first, just take a, a sofa and put it on his bed? He's like, I'm ready hired, to They look like the wet bandits. It's when insane. When I moved into like, my first Brooklyn apartment, uh, the, there was one dude <laughs> who got out of a truck and in his arms carried my mattress and box spring- up three flights of stairs right. without stopping, and then he got in my bedroom and put them down, and his face was bright red. <laughs> he was covered in sweat, and he just said, water, and then he drank like <laughs> nine glasses of water. I have so much respect for people like that, because it's yeah. a, it is you guys, incredible. Do you guys have sex? <laughs> <laughs> and we, we're married to That's a day. traditional New York courtship ritual, where the man carries the bed up three flights of stairs. Water was their safe word. <laughs> Bring me water and sugar. <laughs> Turns out there was a giant cockroach from space inside that man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, I like it when we just hang out and just, just you know. Yeah, sorry we kept going. I mean, if you, if this, <laughs> if you use this show to sleep, hopefully you're really in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should probably wrap Deep it up. Deep in the rim. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for joining me because we do this every week and we keep doing it next week. We keep on calling back. What an <laughs> outro. <laughs> on that note, uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. I'm Max Scoville. Brian is Agent Bizzle and Goldfarb is Garfep. So go follow him for that, uh, the cats and the little anime people there. Her name's Morgana. Okay. Beyond. 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 What a weird. What? That's so. All right. Are you, are you, are you weeping? <laughs> what does that mean? Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays, available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.